0: I'm R.E.A. Schwartz, along with Eli Horowitz, and welcome to the WNBA Insider Show. Over six weeks, we're doing a deep dive into each team in the W. This week, we got the Atlanta Dream and the Las Vegas Aces. A little background on the Dream. All right, guys, they were ranked 11th offensively last year and 5th defensively last year. So that's a lot to take in right now, considering that a lot of people in the WNBA media, and us included, have been calling them a contender in this season. So, Eli, why don't you give a a quick just why do we think that this team, uh, before we even get into the rosters and the moves, why do we think that this team, you know, from a team that was a lottery pick last year, can make that jump to uh, the the top half of the league? Well, I'm glad you clarified. I definitely agree that they've
1: positioned themselves to be a clear Playoff team, in the top half of the league. I'm not yet ready to call them a contender, um, but I think it's really just free agency, and it starts from the top. They brought in Nikki Collin to coach the team, and you know we definitely want to at least put the caveat that you still have to prove it. She's a first-year head coach, but I think she's coming from a culture in Connecticut that um, proved how good they could be, and then you know this team set out in free agency. They had a few goals, and I think they really accomplished all of them. They bring in Renee Montgomery, which is probably the steal of free agency, who can kind of improve their three-point shooting, which is lagging last year. They sign Jessica Breland, who is somebody who can dominate defensively in the pain as far as blocking shots and rebounding, but is also someone who's a threat to make a jump shot and can stretch the floor. And then, obviously, the big news of re-signing Angel Nakatri to a long-term extension and bringing back into the fold somebody who averages 20 points a game. So when you think about it, they, they added three impact players to their roster, as well as adding a new coach who I think will bring more of a modern-style
0: offense to this team. I think that's an interesting point. Not, but not only do they bring in talent, not all three of them are going to be starters. All right? Renee Montgomery, I, I'm, I'm just going to assume here, putting words in her mouth or, or not, probably isn't going to be a starter. Breland, you could argue, could be a starter, but honestly, if you look at this roster, I don't think so. They got a lot of really young talent. Angel, obvious starter. She's a perennial MVP candidate. So what I think the, the thing that sticks out to me is is kind of what you, 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 you tapped on when you mentioned the Connecticut uh, connection, which is... They're trying to create a mold for success with this team. We've seen it with LA in certain ways. We've seen it with Minnesota in many ways, and then we saw Connecticut do it with a young squad. And you have to have that realization about teamwork over your personal stats. And Renee definitely brings that. Angel's going to be definitely about that because she's tired of of, of of being on that second tier of the league. So, and then you have Breland, who's been with Chicago, and you know. Not not a top team in this league, so I think you have hungry players, hungry vets that are are coming in and can teach the youngsters how to play in this in this cutthroat league. You know, I would actually disagree on some of that. Well, not not on the culture, we're on
1: the same page, but I think I think Jessica Breeland will start at the four, and Renee Montgomery is going to be you know six woman. So I don't know. I feel like she will get close to starters minutes. So I feel like McCaughtry. They bring in two definite starters and a six man. I mean that's a lot of minutes they plugged.
0: Yeah, but I mean I don't I I there's just okay, and we've talked about this. Who's starting over Breland? I mean, I alright, fine. So but like look at it this way. I would go with a smaller squad. If and we've we've been debating about this since this this free agency period started, because I think one of the most intriguing aspects of this team is you can throw so many different lineups together. I, I it depends to me who you what type of lineup you're trying to do. Because I'm just looking. Let me throw out a few names there. All right, of players that in my mind should be starters or have deserved so far to be starters on this team: Lizbeth Williams, all right, Sykes, all right, McCautry, Tiffany Hayes, and then you know who's going to be Elasia Clarendon. Sorry for the point guard. I think you're
1: overcomplicating it. I think. I think, you know, you start McCautry, Hayes, and Clarendon in the backcourt because those are the more proven veterans of the group. Um, you know, you start Breland at the four because Breland she changed her game last year. Um, she shot 38% from three in Chicago after really not attempting any threes in her career and something Amber Stocks helped her develop. And so I think with that now, granted, she only she took less than one a game, so it's it's definitely not something we can guarantee will be there. But at least you know now she has to be a threat from there. So you slide her in at the four, and you still have some stretchability, and then you put Williams at the five, and then you have a backup backcourt of Brittany Sykes and Renee Montgomery with Demiris Dantis and Amani McGee Stafford in the front court. I think that's like a really solid, strong nine. Player rotation. I mean, you can debate with me a little bit of like if you think I'm seeing that wrong, but uh, I don't know. Doesn't that, I mean, I think that seems pretty clear to me how that rotation might look.
0: I, I don't see it seems pretty simple to me, but and I'm not just doing this to disagree with you. I legitimately, I think last year I saw something in a lot of these young players on this Atlanta team that to me said, now again, you have McCautry coming back, so that fills up a hole on the roster, and then you bring in Breland, and and you have this this powerful team. But when you have that much youth, to me, at a certain point, it, I hear the argument of saying, you know, start the vet. I want I want to see some more experiments. You know, kind of like you always say when it comes to come see young coaches, let the young coach get a chance. I want to see, let these young players get a chance. Let them get some minutes. Yeah. You know, I know what Breland can produce, but, but who like... who are you
1: saying starts over? I, I, I just don't understand what you're what you're saying. I mean, okay. I, I'm not so, saying anything that much different. I think those nine
0: players will all get significant minutes. I I, I agree. I would just, I don't know, put McCautry at the four? Or get, you want her at the three?
1: I mean, I'm not going to tie myself to like... Specific positions. I'm like I was saying. I I believe they would start Breland and Breland and Williams in the front court. McCautry, Clarendon, and McCautry, Clarendon, and uh, who who am I blinking on here? Hayes, you know, in the in the back court. And then you know, Sykes and Montgomery played big minutes as well. McGee, Stafford, and Dantes. Back up in the front court because I think Nikki Collins is going to want to have four players on the court in all time who are threats to shoot the ball. Breeland I think, showed enough last year that you could start her and still be a good defensive team and have that stretchability. If you start Dontis and Williams, now you have two players out there that can't really shoot from the perimeter. So I agree. Like I think we're saying similar things. I think we agree that they should start four shooters. I'm saying I think Breland can can start there and kind of show she can shoot and if she's really struggling of course you can experiment with smaller four guard lineups
0: I'm gonna say this I again I could see that working I see a little bit down into the season Breland gets pulled and and the young coach goes with a young player and the reason I say that is it's nothing against Jessica Breland in fact I will be the first to admit I've been extremely critical of her and she's one of those players that I constantly am critiquing, and every time when I'm talking smack, she shuts me down and proves me wrong. So, like, keep that in mind that I'm very hard on her. Um, But I just think that, you know, you don't necessarily have anybody who's a true forward on this team, right? Besides Breland. So because of that, I think you're inclined to start her because she has that flexibility to cover the bigger players in this league um, at her 6'3", 170 frame. you know, I, I I just think this team offers you so many different lineups that you can do, and I, I agree. The biggest thing, and we wanted to talk about this a lot, is the three ball. Does I mean, Breland- she just,
1: I, I just got to – I'm sorry. But she, yeah. I'm going to have to dispute you. I mean, her yeah. career her career PER is 16. She's had – her first two years in the league, she was under 15, her rookie year and second year. Since then, her last six seasons, she's been above league average in PER. Her defensive win shares. For her career, are five point three. She's a really, really good defensive player, and now she's starting to add the three ball. Put up ten points a game and six rebounds last year. I think you're a little critical of her because she's been on some bad teams. But I think she's like clear cut best four on the roster.
0: Do you think? Okay, so do you think that she can compete against the top ones in the league? Like, is she somebody? Because to me, it kind and I was having this argument with somebody on Twitter. Um, you know, to me. It's much more so – and you're arguing kind of fights against the basis of my argument I'm about to make, so feel free to call me an, an idiot. Um, What I'm going to say is we know what Breland can do. And, and, and what I'm saying is there's a younger player on this roster who showed last year some sparks and and some ability. You know, you I want to see about, them get a chance. You're being vague. Who are you talking about? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm saying wanted, Breland should start at the court. Who know, are you saying to I want, start at the court? Okay. I want – McCautry at the four, all right, Williams Williams at the center, Hayes and Sykes, and then Clarendon. Now, I think they, that that lineup has been tried to a certain extent, so it's very easy to say that I'm just wrong, but I kind of like that smaller lineup, and they run it. I, I'm a runner.
1: one and 160 pounds. How is she supposed to guard Rebecca Brunson? Like, you, you're, you're saying put somebody at the four, but it's about who you can guard defensively. Breeland is one of the best fours defensively. I think her and Elizabeth Williams makes a good tandem because of, like you said, Williams is like a bit of a more mobile long center. Breeland has a bit more size, so I feel like Breland can even guard some centers and Williams can guard some fours. I feel like that's that's a really good combination. And then I like off the bench too. Dontas I think is a little bit more physical and McGee Stafford is more of like a mobile shot blocking center. So I actually think those two and two pair up really well together. Again, they're, they're going to play four guards at times. I'm not disputing that, but I think that's like a change-up you go to. I think off the bat, you start Breland, who is just a really solid defensive player. Because that's the thing. Atlanta, as much as they've been frustrating the last couple of years, they've been a good defensive team. And I think you don't want to, as much as you're rebuilding the culture there, you don't want to lose something that you already have.
0: I think that's tough, though, when you have a new coach. Um... To try and keep that similar, you know, yeah, we're still going to be tough on this. What we've been doing, you know, is is the defense the face of the Atlanta Dream? Um, Something I want to ask you though. Too often, players kind of get WNBA players get compared to NBA players. So I want to try and ask you about this comparison. Um, I've seen this a few times from from Chicago Sky fans, the Breland and Brunson comparison. Do you see them as their style of play? Obviously, Breland's putting up some more points than her. Um, Do you see them as a a comparable, like Breland could be fitting into a role for Atlanta, kind of like Brunson does for Minnesota? Or is she more of an
1: I can understand that comparison because you have two players that have a reputation for defense and rebounding, but who are now developing a perimeter game. Uh, Brunson more, I think, you know, explicitly and on a bigger stage last year, but Breland, like we said, she only she took less than 1-3 a game, but was shooting it at 38%. If she can even take one a game this year, one and a half a game, and keep up that percentage above 35, that's going to provide a really good dynamic. Because remember, like Atlanta's guards, not all of them are great three-point shooters. Like McCautry is 28% for a career. Leija Clarendon shot, like I think it was like 15% last year. Well, I'll fact-check that in a second, and you know, Hayes had a really nice year last year shooting from the perimeter, but that was her first time doing it. So I think they need
0: Breeland to provide shooting because some of their guards have lacked in that capacity. I'm Also, just taking a quick glance at her stats from this past season, she has like, I think it's 15 games and double digits points. So she can drop the hammer. She has a couple games over 20 points herself. So I think... She has that element. They have a team that can score, but can they shoot is is what I'm hearing. Um, And often, what's the prior point? And just to be fair
1: to the stats, well, just so Tiffany Hayes shot 37% last year from three, which is really awesome. But for a career, she's at 32. So, you know, we'll see if she can keep that up. As I mentioned, McCaughtry, you know, is in the high 20s for a career. So she can obviously hit it, but it's definitely not her strength. And Leisha Clarendon shot 18% last year. Um, but, you know, she was at 40% and 35% the two years before. And I know, you know, Coach Collins is saying, you know, that was, you know, I, hopefully that was just an anomaly, a one-year thing. So I feel like, you know, they they have these guards. They're all kind of, it's kind of a TBD. Like, they've all had some seasons where they've shown they can shoot the three, but none of them are, like, legit shooters. You know, like when you think of, a you know, a Chelsea Gray is like, a legit shooter or Shakina Strickland as a shooter. Like they don't have that like knockdown guard who's a shooter, but they have guards who have like had seasons of doing that. So I think a lot of it is like, can they be more consistent? And I think the coaching staff now will stress that more.
0: So answer me this, does Renee Montgomery take the lead and solve that three-point problem to, like, does she take a huge chunk of that issue up? I really
1: I know this sounds like a cop-out, but I think it's by committee. Brittany Sykes shot 34% from three last year and I've spoke to her coach from Turkey and Nikki Collin both say that's something that, that she's been working on all offseason and is only going to get better um, Hayes had a career year in threes last year. I think McCaughtry is going to take less long twos and we'll start looking at threes. I think Clarendon is the big question mark. I really feel like the other guards will be good enough from three. Now the question is, can Lasia Clarendon get back? Because if she's shooting 18% from three, that's just a, a liability to the point that you can just sag off her. And I don't know. I mean, maybe there's a hot take. But if, if she's struggling like that, that's where I might say, man, maybe maybe you do start Brittany Sykes or Montgomery over her.
0: Well, so it's funny you say that because I'm just thinking back to, you know, free agency period starts and right away uh, Atlanta jumps in there hot. And also something that our fans need to know if you're not aware of this, Minnesota was planning on getting Renee Montgomery back. And Atlanta was able to just kind of steal her away, which to to Atlanta was a huge win. And to Minnesota, which is, which is a whole other thing, kind of some would argue threw them into panic mode. But Renee Montgomery coming to this team, a lot of people started to say, is this a sign that Leisha Clarendon might be traded? Um, she really became the face of the franchise last year. You know. So so the question is, how so is that really going to to affect this team? Is that going to be a subplot going into the season? Or do you think that Nikki can really grab the reins of that and kind of shut that down?
1: I think they're going to shut it down. We don't know. We'll never know if their GM, Chris Sanko, you know, may, he, he might have been chopping her. We, we don't know that. They haven't said anything publicly about that. But if she's on the roster, she's on the roster. I think they got Renee to be the backup point guard. And I think they want Leisure to be the point guard with McCaughtry. You know, McCaughtry and Hayes are scorers. So I think Leija... If when Leja's at her best and, and shooting the ball well, she is the right player to be point guard for them, because that allows Hayes and Makatry to do what they do best and to score the basketball, and then Montgomery can come in and be that change of pace, alongside Sykes, who's another scorer. Um, so I don't I don't think by any means like Montgomery is competing for the starting role. I think it's Clarendon's the one. Montgomery's a backup one. But my bigger point was if Leja continues to struggle to shoot the three ball. You could see in crunch time and later in the season and into the playoffs where maybe Renee Montgomery's closing games, um, because you know Leja, if she's shooting eighteen percent, you know you don't have to respect that, and it makes that team easier to guard.
0: So, uh, answer me this: You know, coming into this uh, offseason as a head coach, a, a rookie head coach, Nikki, um, they don't have a first round draft pick. Okay, and. There's a lot of talk about it. I think uh, we often say you have to reevaluate trades at different periods of time, and there's no way of at any point until like maybe a couple years f- down the road can you truly say who's the winner and who's the loser of a trade. For instance, the Atlanta, the Atlanta Chicago trade uh, this past year, which they they got some some players, they ended up essentially trading Amani for their first round draft pick, kind of, you know. Um, and so the question is, how is not having a draft pick going to affect this team in this season? They've made, you know, not even just the Breland signing and, and their Renee Montgomery signing. They've made some other tiny adjustments, adding Maggie Lucas to the team uh, who had some injuries from last year, didn't play last year, but is a, a stone-cold shooter, just a shooter. Um, not necessarily that she's going to make the roster, and they, they made some other re-signings. How important Or how much do you think this coaching staff focused on the free agency period versus the draft because they don't have this first round pick?
1: Well, let's be clear that that trade was under a different administration, so we can't fault Chris Sinco and Nikki Collin for that pick. Which I don't know if they'd ever admit it, but I think they wish they still had that pick. You know, I think that was clearly a win for Chicago um, to get you know what results in the fourth pick. Um, for a player that still has potential, it's, you know, McGee Stafford still has a lot of potential and I think she can serve a great role, but it's looking like now, like her best fit is as a backup center. And I think obviously the fourth pick, you want to get a starting level player, but you know, they didn't have that pick from, because of the past administration. And that's why they had to win free agency. You know, they had to win free agency. And I think they did that, um, But I know from talking with team sources that the way they kind of look at it is like McCautry's our first-round pick. I know that sounds funny because she's a veteran, but in the sense that she's first-round level talent that they're kind of getting that they didn't have on the roster last year.
0: Yeah, I mean, as ridiculous as it sounds to say that, and I don't mean that in an insulting way, I think that's a legitimate, optimistic way to look at it because this team, I think... You know, if, if I'm Nikki going into their into rookie season as a head coach, I'm thinking to myself, okay, what are the positives, what are the negatives of this team? And looking at it, you know, if I'm her coming in to take over this team, coming from Connecticut Sun, who were kind of similarly a mixture of really young players who who just needed a chance to shine, and a few players who were a few seasons into their careers or midway into their careers that are finally starting to gel. And I think She looked at this roster and said, yeah, cool, let's do this. And then to get McCautry back, like that's got to be the icing on the cake, the maraschino cherry on your ice cream, you know?
1: Absolutely. So I think, you know, like we said, they added like three players that are probably in their top six just in free agency alone. So I think obviously you'd want to have that fourth pick, but I think they positioned themselves very well, not just for this season, but for the future. Now, I, I want to ask you something, though. You know, I feel like we have been very optimistic and we've been very complimentary, and I know at WNBA Insider, our job is not just to say every team is the best and every move is perfect. So I think while we can acknowledge they had a very good offseason, I want to ask you, is, is it a guarantee that Angel McCotry is that 20 points a game force she used to be? And part B to that question, even if she can drop 20 a game, is there a potential that maybe that like hurts the chemistry to some extent because you have a lot of other players on this roster who are capable to score the basketball and my only fear is that McCatrie wants to play a lot of one-on-one ball and Colin coming from Connecticut, you know they play a very heavy ball movement player movement style of offense that Michael Cooper's offense with Angel wasn't
0: like that at all. I'm going to very simply I think the whole culture of this team has changed since Angel left. Now, when Angel left throughout the season, I think this roster heard, and this might cause some some conflict early on in the season, this whole roster heard, where's Angel? Where's Angel? Maybe she'll come back. Maybe if this team makes a playoff push, she'll come back. I think there was two or three times during the season last year where Angel felt the need to come out and say, I'm not coming back, guys. This isn't like, you know, focus on the players on the roster right now. And give them your support. To me, looking at the roster real quick, the only player who's been in the league longer is Renee Montgomery by one season. So I think that's the, it. Starts with that, with that style of culture. So yes, the style of play is going to be different. And you know, I'm always weary anytime there's a player who uh, who takes a whole year off. I'm very weary, even in the W, where you know they need that rest because they're playing year round for so long. Look what happened with uh, with Tarasi when Tarasi took her year off. Yes, yeah, she came back good, but not as fire. And and so to me, it's it's much more so the question of will she lose a step from taking that much time off versus can she play in this style of play? I think yeah, it's going to take some time to meld. And in the condensed season, something we talked about a lot in our podcast, shameless plug about the Connecticut Sun. You know, this condensed season is going to affect. How players gel, I think McCautry can be a scrappy player or she can be just an overall take over the game player. But now she has the tools around her where she doesn't necessarily need to be that. yeah, but, which I think you have to look as a positive. but but my so
1: you know the, but again, we, under Michael Cooper, a lot of times it was give her the ball and get out of her way, and she made some really tough shots. My fear is now when you have all these other ball handlers on the team and multiple bigs who need to get their touches, is McCautry a threat when she doesn't have the ball? You know, if she's spotting up in the corner because Tiffany Hayes has the ball or because Jessica Breland's posting up and she's not shooting the ball well from three, how much value does she add to an offense when the ball's not in her hands?
0: So that's why she needs to kind of take a, a note out of the Maya Moore playbook and become an overly effective player off the ball. And that's the And thing. that's
1: that's all I'm saying. Yeah. I'm not questioning I'm not questioning her ability to be a good player. What I'm questioning is can she be a good off-ball player, which is a very different role than she's played in the past.
0: That's a really good question. I think it is definitely worth exploring. My thought though is that it kind of it feeds off of the talent that's on this team because when you, as someone who's that talented, they're going to get a, uh, um, like a, a handicap, if you will, of, of off the ball talent only because people are going to be paying attention to them. You know, if you have your back to, to Angel McCautry and, and Tiffany Hayes, yeah, they both can score, but I'm looking towards Angel, you know? so, so that's going to be giving the other players that opportunity. And then I think what the goal and the hope of this, if the coaching staff is when they start to do that and then, you know, Leja starts heating up and is getting some points Then Tiffany Hayes is heating up and then Angel McCautry almost becomes a, a secondary thought and then she starts heating up. I mean, that's the hope that you can build a team that's so powerful in each position that you just need one player at a certain moment to be on.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I did have a conversation with Nikki Collin and, and she did bring up, like you said, that this is going to be a more compressed season and that's why she loves having her depth. But I think what we want to get to is, OK, yes, in the regular season, this depth is going to be great for them and it will help them win games. But let's start. Ta- let's talk about playoff now. And, you know, playoff. well, you, <laughs> you mentioned title contenders. And I, I mm-hmm. walk that back personally, and that's what I want to ask you. Since you threw that out there, is look in a play in a playoff game, and you know three minutes left in a playoff game, you can only play five at a time. So you know the depth is less important in the playoffs. And do they have a five that you think can actually challenge LA and Minnesota? You know, if not, throwing in Connecticut or Phoenix in that as well.
0: All right, I'm uh, look, I I don't think that they're they're on that top talent yet. I think roster-wise, looking just at at the stats, at the size, at who they got, you can you can easily make the argument and to a point where I'm not going to stand here strongly disagreeing with you. Um I know that uh, a lot of different GMs and a lot of different coaches in the league just looking at the roster on Atlanta are very high on it. And I think they would kind of be voted in an unofficial poll to be the the breakout team of the season. I'm gonna akin them to the Mystics of last year. Now, obviously the Mystics getting Elena Deldon, alright? And I'm not gonna compare Elena Del to Angel McCautry, but I will say is a new star coming to a team that kind of before them had figured out their own vibe. Um, Atlanta's a little bit different, obviously, because Angel's already there. I don't think, I think it's a bold claim to say that this team is on Sparks level or Minnesota level or even Connecticut level. Just because I think you're going to have to mix up their roster to face Minnesota or to face, like, I can't imagine Elizabeth Williams really, you know, sizing up against the likes of, of uh, I, I could see her sizing up against the Sparks better, but I don't see her matching up well in the paint against, uh, against fouls. So, like, uh, do you think that you
1: can? But but that's that's why – that's where Breland comes in. I mean, you have Breland, Dontis, McGee Stafford, and Williams. Like, I really like this team's depth because, you know, those four bigs are all very different. But that means you can go matchup by matchup. And that's why I like this team in the playoffs because while you can only play five at a time, I feel like they have nine players that are starter-level talent. So you can say, okay, against L.A., which bigs make the most sense? Against Minnesota, you know, who makes the most sense? Against Brittany, me, me, Brittany Griner,
0: who's our – So let me rebuttal that though real quick. So I agree with you and I think that's why this team is, is poised and is in a position, at least just roster-wise, to make a, a drive in the playoffs because they can do that. They can go, oh, we're in – let's say they, they limp into the playoffs and they're in the first round of the do or die. They can go, oh, we're going up against this team, switch up the roster, beat them. All right. Next game, they have to play a slightly different role for their bigs, switch it up, beat them. And then they they move their way into the into the series. But do you think in a series, do you legitimately think that they could take on the links of the sparks? Or right, and and you know what? For the sake of this, I'm gonna include Connecticut.
1: I think they have the potential to be as good as Connecticut and Phoenix. Um, They have to prove it. But I do think, look, Angel McCautry, you know, as far as star potential, you know, she's somebody who's put her team on the back and, and taken this team to finals before. So, again, there's no, like I said, it's a lot of remains to be seen with them. Yeah, but my point is with much less talent around her and with much less of a like offensive system and again remains to be seen if Nikki Collins system works, but with a lot less of a, you know, offensive system and talent around her, she's taken this team deep into the playoffs multiple times. So if she if if she's even 90% or 80% of that and now you add in all this other talent and someone like Renee, Renee Montgomery, I think they can be as good as Connecticut and Phoenix. Now, can they be as good as Minnesota and, and L.A.? I think that comes down to matchups. And if you think they have players that can truly guard those elite front lines with Fowles and Brunson and Neca and Candace Parker, um, that I think is a challenge.
0: Answer me this. Answer me this. So I think this team is, is, is a stack, stock that. Yeah stacked roster as, as we've talked about a lot a good amount what is the part that they need most improvement the bigs you know the front court or the back court.
1: I don't think they need improvement as far as like adding other players I think it's just I think it comes down to if they make three point shots I think that's big I, I think they have the personnel that's capable but Like we've said, they have all these guards who have been hot and cold. One year they're on, one year they're off. They don't have elite three-point shooters. So I think that's kind of – look, if they're making threes and they're shooting the ball and they get hot in the playoffs, they have the depth to make the semifinals and I would say at least push somebody at that round of the playoffs. But if Leisha Clarendon shooting fifteen percent, Angel McCaffrey shooting twenty eight percent from three, Brittany Sykes as a sophomore slump, um, you know Tiffany Hayes regresses back to the mean of her three point shot, then I could see this team losing in the first round of the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I mean it, I, I think this team has the ability to be a strong contender, it, but it's gonna it's gonna rely, unlike a lot of the other teams that we're talking about. All right, once they make it to the playoffs. For this team, they need to gel in the season and make their push for the playoffs. I know we got to wrap up for the dream right now, so I just want to get a fan question in. And we kind of talked about it. You touched on this. This comes from the Sky Show Shy, uh, at Sky Show Shy on Twitter. And his question was, in a close end-of-game situation, who do you think will be the five Atlanta players on the floor or I think I'm going to take it next and say who will take that last shot.
1: I, as a coach, it's all dependent on the matchups. You know, I was willing to say who I thought my starting five was and who would be off the bench, but I think who's out there at the end of the game is based off matchups. And as far as who takes the last shot, I mean, it it's going to be McCautry.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's a question about that. I think you can make the argument that depending at what point in the season, um, but. I don't, yeah, again, it has to be McCautry because I think this is her. Like I said earlier, it's her team, and not to like beat that too much, but it's her team, and she needs to kind of put her seal on it. But she also needs to show, you know, like don't don't let this go without being said that there have been talks about McCautry's personality possibly being an issue with with this team's roster, not necessarily this team's roster, but just in general uh, with the roster. So what I do want to say is. I think she needs to show that she's about the team and the leadership. That's just that's just my thought as far as teamwork. And to be a leader, you need to – at certain point, she needs to get the ball. And instead of dribbling for a little bit, she needs to a different player to take that last shot. Show confidence in others.
1: Yeah, and I think Tiffany Hayes will get some opportunities throughout the season um,
0: to close games in that way. Definitely. So, guys – For the WNBA Insider, we want to say thanks for tuning in. This is Aria Schwartz along with Eli Horowitz, and we just broke down the Atlanta dream and why they're going to be possibly a contender this season.